0: on your thursday episode of locked on raptors we review the season of fred van vleet gulp oh like because when i shot i expected to make it so like i don't shoot kind of mess you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1390 of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Wednesday, April the 27th. I'm your host Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. If you're still on Twitter, you can also go to Instagram and follow the show over there. And most importantly, our Discord server, baby. The link is in the description. Jump on in there. We got like 50 Raptors maniacs in there throwing around all sorts of totally unhinged fake. Trade scenarios. Uh, we'll be talking about the Blue Jays a lot as they seem to be extremely good. And of course, once Zelda comes out in May, we're going to be just basically talking about Tears of the Kingdom and where to find all them shrines, baby. Uh, today's show is uh, featuring our dear pal, Samson Folk of Raptors Republic, as uh, we dig into the season of Fred Van Vliet. By the way, please subscribe, do all that stuff. I don't think I mentioned that. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, uh, make my ego feel good, all that. Um, Someone who makes my ego go down all the time, because he's just much smarter and handsomer than I am, is Samson Folk. Samson, are you ready to talk about Fred Van Vliet? I'm sure everyone will take it and be very normal in response to the things we have to say in the next 30 minutes.
1: It is, uh, he is, he's polarized as a Mm -hmm. person, definitely. But I'm ready for it, uh, unequivocally.
0: Yes, uh, ready for it in a way. Grayson Allen was not ready to take that shot on the last possession last night boy uh we'll 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 (laughs) do a whole episode where we talk about how the raptors are definitely getting Giannis again that that dreams back in in, in alive someday down the line uh but we're going to talk about fred van vliet for today uh similar format for these review episodes we got a discord question coming up later on in the final part of the show if you want to ask questions that'll be featured on the show discord is the place to go so go do it um and uh we'll get into what went not so well with fred this year of course the big questions about his off-season outlook and what the raptors are going to do with his free agency but let's begin positively shall we not a thing that a lot of people think uh, fred van vliet even has business like having a segment devoted to but He is still very good at basketball, Samson, and it's now been, what, like three years running where he's basically, you can kind of set your watch almost with, you know, certain fluctuations throughout the season. He's like a 24-7 and guy on slightly less than league average efficiency for the most part, but of course brings extreme three-point volume, brings very good off-ball defense, at times good on-ball defense, uh, and then of course the, you know, there's the, the, the three-point shooting it's a, it's a not exactly a surplus on the roster even though he was only 34 this season he was the third best high volume guy on the team so Samson positive takeaways overall from Fred's season uh you know sort of what are you going to leave behind thinking oh you know what that was actually pretty all right when you reflect on 2022-23 Fred VanVleet the biggest thing would be the
1: pick and roll offense mm-hmm. and you you could make the argument that this is maybe more to do with Jakob Pertl, but this is something a lot of people have talked about um, and and rightfully so, but Jakob Pertl is the best role man that Fred Van Vliet has played with in a really long time, mm-hmm. probably since Jonas Valanciunas, even if as great as the teams were with Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka, those guys aren't really rim running. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at best, short rolling, they, there's a lot of pick and pop in there as well. Fred isn't a guy who can typically lead his bigs into lobs and lots of these like unbelievable rim running attempts just because he's not extremely bursty off the bounce and he's also doesn't have a really long wingspan to create these different angles of passing but what he what can do is manipulate off the screen and make sure he can get to that you know pocket pass to the guy in the short roll and as far as guys who are short rolling using their dribble and their steps to turn that into you know all the way to the bucket Jakob Pertl is one of the best, probably top five in the NBA. So that mm-hmm. pairing meant that Fred's pick and roll offense was really good. It also meant that because Fred was dependable getting him the ball and Jakob was dependable putting it in the bucket, he drew a lot of tags, which meant that the skip pass was available. And Oji Ananobi shot really well from the corners and really well in his set shot you know, attempts as the season went on, like from March onwards, he was really efficient. So the Raptors pick and roll offense built around Fred at the end, was fairly efficient, and they ended up with technically a better offensive rating than they did last year. So I don't think it means anybody's elite, mm-hmm. but it was the longest and most successful pick-and-roll hub that Fred VanVleet has ever been. Now, there are other holes in this game which we're going to get to, but that is a positive for sure. And while it only came about because a new guy joined the team, it still came about, and I think that's a positive.
0: And I think it's worth noting as well that he had his best stretch of basketball even during a stretch where the team didn't really have its stuff figured out like chemistry wise and floor geometry wise. And I I guess the, the way to sort of spin this forward is like, do you think with, you know, say the Raptors do the thing that I know everyone's dreading them doing, but maybe prepare yourself because it's very likely it's going to happen just based on their situation where they do run it back with most or all of the core guys. Do you envision them being able to milk even more out of that Fred Pick and Roll operation With, uh, you know, more time to sort of, you know, obviously new eyes from a set of, you know, new set of eyes from a head coach who comes in uh, more time playing together, more opportunity for Pascal and Scotty to find their spots within those lineups. I mean, obviously, like, OG, he's going to play anywhere because the shooting is incredibly valuable and he's very good at it. Um, And I don't think him having his best stretch of the season playing off of that yak Fred pick and roll is any sort of great surprise or anything like that. But, um, you know, as far as you mentioned, no one's great at anything. Is there a chance it could become something inching towards great as sort of a backbone of an offense? Or are the limitations on Fred, which we'll get to shortly, still too great for, you know, there there really be to be that much of a ceiling with the way the Raptors ran their offense down the stretch?
1: I think that they found the ceiling with that style of play. And and that's not like everybody on the roster has limitations of their own. That style of play is more limited because Pascal and Scotty don't shoot as well from catch and shoot three as they should that would help you know obviously make make that into a more dominant style of play if you had better shooters around it but also fred doesn't pressure the rim with mm-hmm. it he doesn't bring as much pressure to the rim as typically you would like in a classic pick and roll situation which creates opportunities for laydowns to the dunker um more open shots to the strong side corner because you get digs from there and also you know lob attempts and just layups in general all that kind of stuff is not really super present in fred's game and i think that means that you can't keep scaling it up infinitely what fred did was shoot well from the mid-range like really really well like one of the seven best pull-up mid-range shooters in the nba last season he did that as a counter His pull up three was, despite his three overall not being very good last season, his pull up three was at very least good. Mm -hmm. Um, 33, 34% on high volume pull ups from downtown is really good. If Pascal Mm -hmm. did that, everyone would be extremely happy. But the pick and roll offense, I think it has to be more so about, it's going to be less about finding like the one guy who's uber efficient and it's going to be about giving. Not only Pascal but Scotty opportunities in that in that role, and trying to toggle them effectively based on matchup. I think that's more so what it is. But I don't think there's like a massive ceiling for the Fred-led offense as far as a pick and roll hub or something like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think you know that kind of speaks, I think, a little to what everyone's hope was, or what a lot of people's hope was coming into last season, which was you know, more Fred off the ball, more Fred just kind of operating as a catch-and-shoot monster. And, you know, I, I just, the season never really developed to a point where that was like a thing they were able to implement a ton. You didn't get him scurrying around off screens all that much, right? It was like, all right, Fred, go create, go start the thing with, with Yak now that you have a guard to work with. Even when he was working with, uh, you know, Scotty during the sort of the peak of Scotty's season in January. I mean, that there was, you know, some positive, that, that was kind of when Fred's season turned around. But that's not the ideal place to have him, necessarily, because of the limitations he talked about. He had a bad shooting season at the rim. You know, he kind of had a bad shooting season from everywhere, except long mid-range, which is uh, hilarious. Uh, And so, I I guess it comes down to, are there other ways to have Fred be a prominent player on the team that justify having him out there? And we'll get into that. Ultimately, for me, sort of my 10,000-foot takeaway is... All the polarization, all the bad vibes talk, all the shooting slumps and the crooked shooting nights, you still look at it, and outside of Jakob Pertle who played 25-26 games for the team, and Christian Coloco, who was a bit part on this team, Fred Van Vliet drove positive play better than anybody else on the roster. They need what Fred does to be competitive, to be competent, to have any sort of direction when they're on the floor, and that... You're going to have to think about how you replace that element if you are going to be moving on from Fred Van Vliet. As much as, you know, this was not his best season by any means, as much as he's probably never getting back to that all-star level that he was at in 21-22, there's a lot that he brings to the table. And I do think a more sort of reimagined version of the Raptors offense does feature him in a bit more of a, I guess, flattering light, maybe. And he can kind of, yes, work in pick and roll touches and all of that, but also still have this other side to his game where you get to weaponize him as an off-ball guy. Uh, Samson, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to get into what didn't go well for Fred Van Vliet this season. And uh, look, there's not—we'll touch on a lot. There was a lot there. Uh, In particular, uh, you know, not even so much the on-court stuff, which is easy to see, but sort of the more ethereal background noise that I think, you know, very clearly played a role in the way this Raptor season transpired, whether it's on Fred or not. We'll get to that in just one sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you, about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Uh, when you're looking to build a championship team and lots of teams right now in the NBA are sorting through this very difficult question, it's all about making every sure, making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you're, you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know if your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only exclusions apply all right we continue on here samson folk raptors republic thank you to the everyday listeners of the show who've dropped in if you are an everyday listener if you have made the deal with the devil to look and listen to me every single day uh please let me know in the comments so again we can put you on a watch list all right uh (laughs) let's uh talk about what didn't go so hot for fred this season samson where to begin um I think the place to start is probably the sort of the more big picture stuff. The the vibes, if you will. You know, there's the on-court play we'll dig into. But I think a lot of the spoiling of the narrative around Fred has been tied to this sort of perception that he's selfish. He's a ball hog. He's out for his own bag. He's out for his own looks. Can you believe how many threes he takes per game? Imagine where they'd be if he didn't take them, I might add. Uh, they would be totally screwed. Um, but... You know, I wasn't around the team this season. You know, you get a better sense of this stuff, I think, just kind of when you're there. You're talking to people. You're kind of in the room seeing what's going on. Um, I know the media stuff is still pared down from what it used to be. But, you know, you were around the team this year, Samson. Obviously, there's only so much you can glean as well. But your general impressions of being around the team, like how much did how much was there actual fire behind the smoke that fred was this like noxious element in the raptors room you know i think an argument can be made that it maybe seems like all the players were just mad at nick nurse and not at each other (laughs) um you know there was griping about i guess griping i I feel like maybe overblown quotes about you know his role and, and whatnot um there was the perception that he threw the team under the bus at the end of the season which i just i don't really think i got that either from the reading maybe i'm just bad at reading into quotes but For you, how much smoke is there behind the idea that, like, Fred and Scotty in particular don't see eye to eye, can't possibly fit, that Fred's stymieing Scotty's growth, and that that was this thing that sort of spoiled the whole room over the course of the season? Because that seems to be the outside impression of what happened with the Raptors this year. I just don't really buy it. You were there all season. What's your sort of read on the situation? There was definitely
1: smoke. And I think it made more sense that everybody once Nick kind of openly talked about it and the Raptors made that decision that everybody kind of said like, Oh, that's kind of where it was. Mm -hmm. Um, That seemed very intuitive to me, even from the outside looking in before I started covering the team in person was that Nick is not the most harmonious personality. And I Mm -hmm. think that's where a lot of the smoke was coming from. As far as Fred and Scotty in particular, I there's certainly you can glean stuff from how they interact on the floor. And also there's like times where Scotty will, you know, he'll, he'll be upset that Fred missed him on a play or that Fred holds onto the ball to pursue another Avenue. Um, Fred less so on court, you know, persona more so off court commentary throughout the season, thinly veiled shots at particularly OG and Scotty about his role and those types of things you really don't want to see happening. But also, I think that's like the extent of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it got any bigger than that. These guys aren't, you know, constantly shoving each other in the locker room or getting into, <laughs> you know, tiffs in the hallway or anything of that sort. And, you know, the team isn't in the family era anymore. And they're not in no. the best friends era anymore. It was segmented. Bring back
0: Amir Johnson, please. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it, it was it was segmented last year and who hung out with who and there were some peacemakers and there were little clicks and stuff like that and I think it'll be up to the Raptors to try and fix that into next season and yeah Freddie and Scotty are not part of the same locker room click mm-hmm. and you know what that's while that's not perfect it's also not the end of anything like those guys don't have to be best friends it's a a 29 year old dad and a 21 year old kid You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And they don't have to be inherently like the the best of friends. I grew up in a small town. I saw plenty of oddball relationships between like the (laughs) the 38-year-old guy who had a nice truck and the 22-year-old guy who was like, got back from the oil fields and was like, who do I drink with in this town, you know? And Scotty and Fred are not hard up for hang opportunities outside of, you know, the locker room or even inside the locker room. So I don't think, I think that's something that can certainly mend. I think Mm -hmm. their play styles can definitely fit together Mm -hmm. and but i also think that until proven otherwise the same way the team needs to be good for the fans to kind of come back and be like okay if you're running it back we have to like maybe this team will be a playoff team you have to see fred and scotty have a little bit more harmony on the floor together and honestly the team just has to succeed for those types of things to go away otherwise whether it's right or wrong, it's going to draw the ire and the attention of the mm-hmm. fan base because where else would it go, really? That's yeah. That's what they're going to speculate on, uh, like, fair. unfortunately, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, if they were a 48-win team, those things would have still existed, those tensions would have still been there, and they don't come to the fore or they don't get talked about. If they they, had they kind could of recaptured... win
1: 56 games. It doesn't mean they're hanging out, you know? Like, exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, I think... So I've been trying to like reckon with this, and I feel like this has been an under-discussed sort of very human nature level tension that was within the team. Like, Fred and Pascal, they've won titles. They've been all-stars. Pascal's made two All-NBA teams. I think there was this hope at the start of the year that, all right, turn the keys over to Scotty. It's Scotty's team now. And for those who were on that train, it was like, yeah, Pascal and Fred, they're getting in the way of that. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, Scotty's the future. These guys, we know what they are. The thing is, we know what they are. They're very good. Like, they're not perfect. They're not the best two players on a championship team, but they're good basketball players who do good things for you, who drive positive play. And Scottie Barnes, for all the good he does, we talked about on yesterday's show, like, he still struggles with the the, the waxing and waning effort, consistency, the, he talked about his own conditioning at the end of the season, and he's just simply not the shot creator and the half-court offensive hub that Pascal can be and that Fred has been, like... He's got moments. And like I said on yesterday's show, the everydayers will know, like, he, when he hits that ceiling, there's no one on the team who's as just like forceful and brutishly dominant as Scotty, but he doesn't do it all the time. And so I understand why Fred and Pascal might be sitting there being like, what well, are we going to hand this guy, make him the heliocentric dude on this team? Like, no, that's not how this works. And I think the idea that like earning your spot is sort of viewed as this like archaic thought or something like that um, by those who want to see Scotty just kind of rise and become the dude. My question is like, do you think there's room for those three guys? And like, more importantly, like it kind of seems like it's necessary to have those three guys to foster like a proper developmental track for a guy like Scotty, who is not ready to be your heliocentric guy. He may never be that guy. That just might not be the type of dude he is. Having supporting players playing off of him seems like a good thing to me. Having three guys who can create shots for others and themselves seems like a good thing to me. I don't understand the perception that this team has to abandon the 29-year-old timeline and throw themselves entirely into the Scotty thing. Maybe I'm naive thinking you can overlap timelines and this is just not a thing you can do, but... I just I don't fundamentally agree with the idea that because these two guys are kind of older and maybe less in terms of upside that they can't be there to sort of shepherd Scotty along and I guess this comes down to a big question is like will eventually they cede that control that sort of the status on the team to Scotty one day and my thinking is like Scotty, when he proves that he when he's when he just like decides it's his, it will be his because that's just what Scotty is when he decides to take over and is Scotty Barnes at his best. Like I talked a lot there, but like d- 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 like thoughts on the things I just said in your ears is a lot. Like I just like rambled on, yeah. but like this whole thing drives me a little bit insane because it just feels like such a reductive and simplistic way to think about building basketball teams.
1: Yeah. The quick thing on Scotty, um, everybody has this idea that you need reps to grow. Certainly mm. you do. Um, You don't get your skill progression reps in game, though. This is probably the most important thing about Scott is that you have to get your skill, your handle, your jumper, all this kind of stuff to a certain prerequisite to dictate defensive responses. And then once you can generate a wide array of defensive responses, then you want to start hemorrhaging possessions to that person so they can see all the different permutations defensively. What happened with Scottie early on in the year when Pascal was injured, for example, and the reason why Scottie is better, you know, off his, his offensive numbers are better when he's paired with Pascal, for example, is that Scottie, his handle, his jumper, his scoring repertoire isn't good enough to dictate different defensive responses. It's he's just going to get the same defensive response and he's not going to be able to drive an offense by himself over the course of a game. Um, currently, it's better for Scottie given his skill set as a connector where mm-hmm. he's currently at this doesn't mean it's the ceiling but where he's currently at is to find his spots in a game and that's why it's okay that scotty was like in fourth quarters attacking tired defenses and like engaged but tired defenses with they've been dealing with pascal all game and now there's just way more brute physicality he's punching a gap and he's also you know like Just there's a lot more sheer force for the guy who's his primary and for the help side defense. And he he's uh he changes pace like different than Pascal. And so Scotty is a runs player. Mm -hmm. A lot of players are that Pascal is a guy who scores a lot of like 40% of his points in a lot of games in the third quarter. That's Mm -hmm. what the NBA is about in a lot of cases, is finding the pocket of the game where the defense can't defend you. Mm -hmm. And like that's why it's a five, you're five guys out there. That's in, you know, however, however many guys on a team, right? You have to find the pockets of the game that you succeed in. And Scotty is a guy who he succeeds working off of players a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's very unselfish. And so this dictates that he needs a somebody to create the advantage and be somebody to work off of. So, well, I think that for next season, Pascal certainly needs to shoot the ball better from three to help open things yeah. up. So does Fred, particularly above the break, those guys. Mm-hmm. And that will allow Scotty to have more primary possessions. That will allow for him to be more creative as a playmaker. Scotty also is a guy who you don't have to rush it, but his skill progression needs to take a couple steps up before he starts getting all these possessions and the Raptors start to get stuff out of it. I think that Fred and Scotty are more in are an easier fit now that Jakob Pertel is here. Mm-hmm. Before Jakob was there, I thought that Pascal and Scotty was super easy. The thing that's a little bit more complicated now is that it's Jakob, Scotty and Pascal. And those three, if Pascal doesn't step up his shooting, that's where it gets really, really hard to justify. So we'll see what happens next season. And by the way, that's not the fault of Pascal. That's not the fault of Scotty. It's not the fault of Jakob. That's just like team construction. Mm -hmm. If anybody struggles next year, I won't be there saying like, Oh, these people it's like, it's not a super friendly context. There's a reason yeah. why the offense transition to get back to Fred in this question is like that. There's a reason it transitioned to Fred and, and the pick and roll offense was because the Raptors, they had trouble trying to make it work with Pascal, Scotty and Jakob, as far as like the spacing and running two man actions with, you know, any two out of three of those groups. And so I, I don't think, I think that the, the current struggle or the struggle in the future will be like trying to skirt, the roster construction a little Mm -hmm. bit because you know it's it's tough to navigate that little shooting but as far as the platonic idea of putting good players and Fred and Pascal as you said at the very least are good putting Mm -hmm. good players who create around Scotty Barnes is like so unequivocally the answer because Mm -hmm. uh and you know it could be Fred it could be anybody it could be Pascal it could be anybody but Scotty's a specific type of player that nobody should expect like a heliocentric star. Nobody should expect like a high pick and roll demon. He's a guy who is playing the demonis Sabonis role and thriving. He's a guy who in transition is both Magic Johnson and Kyle Lowry and <laughs> whichever favorite transition dunker you like. He's mm-hmm. also like a, a strange isolation bully. You know, he, he's a very unique player. And his skill set doesn't dictate that he suddenly take all of Pascal and Fred's possessions. In a lot of cases, he just pass out of them. Mm-hmm. And maybe not even necessarily into an advantage, right? Um, it's tough. The team isn't perfect. Far from it. Mm-hmm. But I do think a little more possessions for Scotty. Certainly you want to see next year, of course. Sure. T- toggle it up if he progresses. But as far as what they've done so far... I think the creativity on offense is more of an indictment than it was the sheer amount of possessions that Scotty got. And I don't think that's Fred or Pascal's fault, really. Long answer to your long question.
0: that's all right. I mean, uh, we didn't really talk about what went poorly for Fred this season, but we'll do that on the other side, and we'll get that sort of worked into our conversation about what comes next for Fred, because the stuff that didn't go so hot for him this year is the stuff... ...that will weigh heavily on the minds of those thinking about paying him... ...of the fans thinking about watching him for many more years in Raptors uniform. We'll get into that in just a second here. Before we do that, however ibotta is our uh, next sponsor here to talk about today grocery school shopping getting a little something for yourself you know you're already going to be doing it so why not get cash back for it with ibotta with ibotta you can earn cash back on every shopping trip ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back it's that Easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year in real cash back. That could cover the entire cro- cost of a grocery trip. That costs, that's like almost a pair of Air Maxes. It's all there for you. Uh, right now, you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands as well, and retailers too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more right now. Ibotta is offering our listeners 5 bucks just for trying Ibotta using the code LOCKED. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free Ibotta app to use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store. Use the code LOCKED. All right, continuing on here, Samson Folk, Raptors Republic, closing things out as we uh, look at what didn't go so hot for Fred Van Vliet and how that informs a very big summer of decision-making regarding Fred Van Vliet for the Toronto Raptors. Um, For you, Samson, what was your sort of biggest negative... Takeaway from the season for Fred play wise. I mean, there's obviously the drop off in shooting the concerns about durability that I think kind of were quelled a little bit in the back part of the season, but certainly were very much there as he looked like a busted man for the first couple months of the year. Um, you've got the on ball defense dropping off. You know, what for you do you come away if you're the front office and you're lining up a contract? What makes you queasy as you slide that contract across the table to Fred? The defense for sure. Yep. I
1: think that good guard defense. I know the Bucks just lost, obviously, but <laughs> Drew Holiday—they won a championship while also being able to live through very inconsistent Drew Holiday offensive performances because he's just so great at the point of attack. And while Fred has never been Drew's level, you 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 can find some of the like analytics that like used to like Fred defensively a lot, mm-hmm. or the same, or more than Drew. But I didn't think that was ever true. Um, point of attack defense is extremely important. We see it with OGN and Obi in the past. We've seen it with Fred that if he's sticky at the point of attack, it can really help move teams into the back end of the shot clock. It -hmm. can help move them off of their primary actions. And Fred this season, there was like three or four games where I saw that happen, you know, and that's for what he, he played like between 60, 70 games. That's not a lot of games as far as like being the guy who kind of disrupts the game plan and in fact became a guy who man the raptors were hiding in certain games that's mm-hmm. a really stark contrast and it's it's poignant that this was the first year in fred's you know career that the team was worse defensively with him on the floor it was marginal by the end of the season Jakob Pertle helped a ton because mm-hmm. fred is has good instincts as a defender and a lot of the time knows where to be and if you have uh, a big and high drop or at the level who's containing things, Fred's woes at the point of attack aren't as big a deal with Purtle there, but that's not Fred's improvement. That's Jakob's yeah. kind of safety blanket. And Fred, he lost a lot of his ability to contain point of attack defenders, and it dropped off the, a massive, massive amount. And that, that helped, you know, buoy a lot of the... Even when Fred, I know fans, they like to pay attention to his field goal percentage a lot. <laughs> When Fred is shooting 38 to 40 percent from the field, a lot of the things that made that feel like it wasn't as big a deal was that he was giving you elite defense on the other end and just Mm -hmm. insane levels of impact. He still had positive impact this season, but I can't imagine what it would have been if he had had a regular Fred VanVleet season on defense. And I don't think he gets back to that. I think offensively, he's still going to be like a, a good offensive player as you, we keep going into the future. I think that there's things he can improve on. I think the shooting can come back around. Mm-hmm. But I think that the defense is certainly uh, the most disappointing aspect, and I don't view that as coming back around, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I st- he's still got the off-ball instincts for sure. Um, but yeah, the point-of-attack stuff, not great. It was particularly a problem when there was no back-line rim protection, as you alluded to there. And, and I guess you know it comes down to... I think it all boils down to Fred is good. He's also very flawed. And Mm -hmm. how do you build the team around various players' flaws? Because guess what? Every team has players with flaws. There are no perfect basketball teams now that the Warriors with Kevin Durant don't exist anymore. There's just—you have to bake in flaws and overcompensating for them into how you build your roster. And I do think bringing Yakupirtle makes it so, you know— Plenty of teams survive with less than ideal point of attack defense from point guards. That said, he's not Steph Curry. He's not De'Aaron Fox on offense, Mm -hmm. and so it's harder for him to outweigh the the drop off defensively if it is what we saw this year. And hey, like you know, he's older. The minutes pile up. I can get on board with the idea that he's never going to be the same. All defense flirting point of attack defender ever again do I think the off ball stuff will still play yeah that feels like more instinct related and all that um and he's got all that kind of in his bag but you bake in the the drop off on defense the shooting which I feel like felt more team context related than you know I think like a death knell for his his stroke or anything like that this year maybe I'm wrong maybe this is step one of the decline and it's all downhill from here but you, you factor in those elements you factor in the, the the fact that he's incredibly important to how the Raptors currently operate we talked about the on-off differential all that the Raptors were really really bad when he wasn't on the floor they had a really hard time uh you know creating offense they were had a really hard time looking organized and looking like a sensible basketball team it all leads to the question what do you do this summer if you're the Raptors front office do you line up a big fat contract and say, you know what, you're our dude, we're going to take care of you like we tend to take care of our guys and we believe in you. Do you look for an upgrade? I think it's fair to say the Raptors absolutely are going to need an upgrade on that spot if they have like championship ideals in the next couple of years here with like the Scotty Pascal prime overlap situation. Um, I'm not wired to think in terms of can you win a championship or not. As a fan, That that's, you know, people are, are different in how they care about that stuff. But how like what what do you do like it's uh you can't go into next season without the skills that fred van vliet brings to the table because he's the only guy who brings a lot of those skills you don't have a first round pick next year it's top six protected like you are banking on being good next year i think it would be basically malpractice if he walked for nothing and there was no replacement brought in and i don't know looking around the league if there's like a clear that's the guy you target to replace and upgrade fred van vliet this summer to me, this feels like it's headed towards he's sticking in Toronto. I guess the question is for how much and is that the right call uh, as far as like team building goes for the Raptors?
1: Yeah, I think you just, you make sure. I, I wouldn't be a pro, opposed to them trading Fred if it means that they're kicking the can down the road and they're, you know, they're moving towards a younger team. Fine. Honestly, they they made a trade that like they gave these guys a chance and the whole team, everybody on it, they they stared down like the the ten seed up nineteen and they let it slip away and they let a lot slip away this season and that everybody bears some level of responsibility for that but a meaningful and good team would not have let this season happen the way that it did so sure if if they do kick the can down the road into a rebuild and that starts with any number of trades one obviously could be Fred I wouldn't be up in arms about it but also I see the sense in just resigning him to a contract that you have to be mindful you aren't the contender you want to be so you can't just happily overpay fred Hmm. and be like we're in the luxury tax we're contender you just got to pay guys you can't do that like you actually i i hate counting guys pockets you know like whatever earn as much as you possibly (laughs) can but they have to they have to try and get fred on a contract that not only is you know something that they can defend for next season, but something in the coming seasons that wouldn't be a big deal to trade. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. probably what I'm thinking of in terms of making sure that they handle their business, R.E.
0: Fred. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I think it's untenable to not have him or someone like yeah on next year's team. Like, you just, full stop. You can't do that. And you're not drafting a point guard at 13 who walks in and is ready to do that stuff. It takes time for point guards. It's not going to be an instant thing. And I know some people will say, Oh, Scotty's the point guard now. And Hey, you'll try it out. But like, uh, like we talked about, he's not fully there yet as far as the requisite skills to be a, you know, a consistently meaningful and positive point guard in the league either. So I think, you know, barring some sort of, upgrade that falls out of the sky obviously we're watching the playoffs right now plenty of teams are dropping like flies there's going to be re-evaluations of what they got to do you're hamstrung a little bit by the fact that fred is a free agent and sign in trades are only going to net you so much and there's negative incentives for teams that on the other side get involved in sign in trades you're gonna have to be all right with hard capping yourself all that stuff that is far too boring to dive into full detail but um it's just as like a as a value proposition, which I hate, again, <laughs> gonna get talking about, like, it feels to me bringing Fred back next year, even if it is like a slight overpay, that's preferable to not having what Fred Van Vliet does on the basketball team. And I don't right now see an avenue. As much as in our Locked On Raptors Discord, I keep on dreaming about a Jamal Murray and uh, Aaron Gordon for Pascal and Fred swap. That's not happening. It does not. So like I I have a hard time seeing this going any other way, but Fred signs a deal that most people will be pretty upset with at first blush, and it probably ages fine as the cap goes up. And some contender somewhere down the line, if it comes to that, says, hey, that's a dude we should have on our team. Let's go get Fred Van Vliet. And that is how it all kind of transpires. Would have been real nice, I would say, if the uh, Clippers just uh, did the Terrence Mann in a first-round pick thing, huh? Uh- <laughs> I like Terrence Mann a lot. I really like him. Apparently, the Clippers do, too. Uh, and I guess, like, Russ worked out well for them, but, you know. Um, did he ever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, poor Clippers. Bring Kawhi back. Let's, let's, let's go down that road if we're bringing back old friends. Yeah. Uh, Question of the day from the Discord to close it out. It's a light one, uh, and we have not talked our last about Fred Van Vliet, so if we left any meat on the bone, as it were, we'll get into it, I'm sure, at some point in the next couple of months. But uh, the Discord cue of the day from McLean. McLean? I think McLean. I would like to say it in a Hans Gruber voice, McLean. Uh (laughs) Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. The question from McLean is, if Fred leaves as a free agent, will this signify the victory of OG's Gillette Team Smooth? Follow-up, would Samson therefore switch from Team Styled to, Steam, to Team Smooth? This is a Samson-specific Discord question of the day about Fred Van Vliet. What is your
1: answer? Okay, so Trey and I actually have an ongoing bet that <laughs> he was going to shave his head bald if the Pelicans made the finals. <laughs> I, I We made that bet. Like, a week and a half before the Pelicans took the first seed. I this have is Trey sh-
0: from the, your, your Raptors Republic yeah, podcast, yeah. by the way, for those who aren't. Uh, I mean, everyone probably listens to you who listens to this, but, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Trevon Heath, um, good friend of mine. Anyway, uh, and I would have had to shave my beard if the Grizzlies make the finals. The Grizzlies mm. are still in the playoffs, so I might end up joining Team Smooth. Also, was <laughs> I was Team Smooth for different parts last year, except I had a, a mustache because I always... I don't know. I I crave identity outside of myself and I find it in the change (laughs) of my facial hair at times. But uh, yeah, uh, I could be team smooth for a time. Yeah, 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 I think that makes sense for me. That's a very thoughtful question, though. I'm glad I'm glad my facial hair is on the on the mind of people, even if even if it's spurred on by something.
0: I told you, the Lockdown Raptors Discord, it's unhinged in the best kind of way. Uh, just talking about all the facial hair situations for all of the Toronto Raptors media folks. Uh, Blake Murphy's up next. Uh, no, his beard's the best one. He Damn does it. have a
1: really great beard, yeah. yeah. Mine is like, a you and I both have like,
0: we have good beards. We have beards. Yeah, I got like a dirtbag beard, but like it's a kept dirtbag beard. Yeah, people would be <laughs> like, that's a beard.
1: They wouldn't mm-hmm. they wouldn't kind of police us over it and be like you know it doesn't connect here or there but mm-hmm. blake's is like a big old lumberjack dago thing you know yeah. and uh i don't know who else i call- well michael grange did during the pen the pandemic i suppose but that's not really his bag anymore
0: if fred's no longer to finish answering this question if fred is no longer <laughs> on the team after this year i don't know if it signifies og's team smooth victory because Blake exists. Like we just swap Blake into those commercials, right? Like he's on TV now. He, he, he like Samson. <laughs> we can oh, well, I was gonna say,
1: I have a funny story about that. <laughs> okay. They were when OG had his was injured prior to the trade deadline and kind of was doing his depression mutton chops. Um <laughs> they were trying to film a team smooth versus team uh whatever the hell the other one is called. They were trying to film one of those commercials. And OG wouldn't shave his mutton chops and he held up production, <laughs> you know, like, which is really funny. They're like, everybody's freaking out. They're like, how can he be team smooth when he has the mutton chops? And he was like, I don't want to do it. And uh, it was just that's really funny, like um, midseason story was that that nobody really ever told us that OG wouldn't shave. And it was like a debacle. He did end up shaving, of course, but it's pretty funny that everybody's like, "Oh, you won't shave, it's a
0: disaster. You know, <laughs> I like that. Michael Jordan won't wear the shoes in the shoe commercial, damn yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, that feels like the perfect place to leave the show, frankly. Uh, Samson, thank you so much for hanging, man. This was, uh, this was great. Uh, anything you want to promote for the good people out there? You got lots of stuff going on. We're wrapping up the season, I'm sure.
1: Uh, yeah, just raptorsrepublic.com. For my written work, it does require a subscription. If anybody uh pay, feels so pay the damn money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if
1: anybody feels so inclined, it, it does help the, the website, obviously. But um outside of that, just hanging out, hanging in, all that good stuff. Uh, thanks for having me on, Sean
0: course man uh, anytime always a great time to chat with you and I'm sure the listeners are like wow a smart guy this is great what a great breath of fresh air uh, we'll leave it there that's not to denigrate the other guests on the show they're also very smart <laughs> it's just the solo shows where it's a uh, big old dumb guy fest but no we'll leave it there thank you very much for tuning in supporting the show uh, join the discord if you haven't yet it's a lot of fun and uh, it was it was fun just like melting down at that Jimmy Butler uh, lob finish at the end of regulation last night with Crazy. the folks in the Discord. Uh, you know, well, more upsets to come. Hawks? Hawks? No. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. We're back again tomorrow. I will dig into the seasons of Precious Achua and Chris Boucher. I'm gonna talk about them in tandem, much like they like to play with one another. Uh, will they still both be on the team next year? We'll dig into that tomorrow as well. Come back next week. I think I got a big guest looming for Tuesday, so keep an eye out for that. And until then, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks so much for hanging. Go support the show, subscribe, yada yada yada. Go listen to Locked On Leafs as the buds just might do it tonight. They're so not doing it tonight, but they might. And Mike and Dave on Lockdown Lease will have it covered. So thank you. Thanks for hanging and uh we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.